0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, we're excited about getting back into our message this morning on the essence of spiritual maturity. And just before I do, I just want to make a couple of announcements. We do have our Bible study tonight, and we're also Saturday night in Pasadena. Tonight we have it at 6 o'clock, and we're starting something new tonight that will uh, carry on forward uh, for a while. Anyway, uh, we're going to open our home at 530. And uh, for anyone who wants to come, uh, just to worship before we get to our Bible study uh, of course, anything we do is not mandatory. It's just if you wanted to come before we get to our Bible study at 5.30, just for some worship time, um, uh, the doors will be open, and uh, we'll just enjoy that time together. And then we'll start our regular Bible stay at 6 o'clock, like we always do. And, um, anyway, also I want to announce too, we're getting close to September, uh, we're going to be st- starting up our Elios Bible classes again on September 4th. That's uh, Wednesday and Thursday every week, and so our website will give you the schedule, you'll be hearing more about that in the weeks to come, I'm working on some things to promote that, and uh, anyway, we're looking forward to starting our classes together, uh, they're free, uh, and just to get us grounded deeper to the Word of God, and identity in Christ, anyway, that will, that will be starting at uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays, September 4th, the first week of September, right after Labor Day, um, two days after Labor Day, anyway. So anyway, with that in mind, um, let's go ahead and get our word. And, <coughs> excuse me, and that word, uh, which is also our word, I'll take ownership of that. Uh, but as I said, uh, uh, jump into our text this morning to, in uh, uh, Acts chapter two, and we're gonna this is gonna be our main text for the next uh, few weeks, the Acts chapter two, and I'm gonna actually be reading from the King James to start off this morning. Uh, Acts uh, chapter two, verse, begin verse forty. The context is Pentecost, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit report poured out on the church, and the hundred twenty that were present originally. And then uh, we pick it up in uh, the middle of Peter's message and uh, preaching here in verse forty. <coughs> it says, "And with many other words did he Peter testify and exhort, saying." Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And then they gladly received that his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them, the 120, about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Well, this is where we're going to uh, be, like I said, in the next few weeks. We're going to be dissecting here uh, verse 42. But before I get there, I want to uh, piggyback on something here, uh, verse 40. And when Peter's preaching, he says, he makes a phrase here at the end of verse 40. He says, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now, that word untoward, we don't use that today. Uh, but it means perverse. It also means warped. Uh, that's another definition for that. How many of you know that when we don't have a relationship with God, we're not connected with God. We can get very warped. We can get very. Uh, Jesus said, "Apart from me, you can't do nothing." And our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God, the Word of God, needs to be constant. We need to have a constant diet of God's Word. And when the church, when the church was born, this is the Pentecost, is the birth of the church, and the very first born again believers that ever existed. In the new covenant, was that and, and they, these 3,120 people who were born again? They did four things. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So if we scroll down, and we'll spend more time on here in a few weeks, but verse 26, I mean verse 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house they'd eat their meat with gladness and sing of us This was a daily thing. And I'm not trying to mandate uh, something, something, but at the same point in time, just Sunday is not enough. And I'm not, again, I know uh, there's different uh, days with people's schedules and whatnot, but we need to have a daily, we need to have a regular, we need to have a constant, steadfast devotion to the First of all, the Apostle's Doctrine, to fellowship and breaking the bread and prayers. I'm going to spend a good amount of time on each one of these components. Right now, I'm finishing up what we were starting last week, talking about the Apostle's Doctrine. And we haven't quite finished that. Um, and my, see, my prayer uh, my prayer as a pastor, my prayer as a leader, is to everything we do in this church, even as we grow, and our church uh, uh, preferably grows, Uh, Everything we do is to facilitate us uh, being steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Even as we grow, we have children's ministries, and we have youth ministries, and we have women's ministries, and men's ministries, and ministries of various kinds. I want These four things, I want these to be uh, uh, fabricated into uh, everything we do. Uh, We're going to have other things, uh, I believe, as we grow but uh, we, I want people to grow up in under good teaching, sound doctrine, fellowship, and that can come in a lot of different ways and what not, but good, wholesome fellowship. Uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll be talking more about that, uh, possibly even today. We'll get into some of that. And then also uh, the breaking of bread, which speaks to covenant. And I'll spend a lot of time on that later. And then also prayers. Okay. But when, you know... Let me just, uh, I'm going to keep using this uh, metaphor of uh, raising children. As parents, when we raise children, there's more to to having children than just giving birth to them, just having them. We have to raise them. We have to discipline them. We have to feed them. We have to change their diapers. We have to uh, school them. We have to clothe them. There's a lot to raising a child than just giving birth. Uh, the the whole pregnancy season and the whole birth season and, and the newborn season is beautiful it's wonderful but for the for the for the next several years and even for the rest of your lives you will be raising that child in a sense and, and, but the goal is to you know the goal is that as they grow and as they mature in this proper time in this proper season you want them to be functional in life you want them to be successful in life you want them to be effective in life you want them to make good decisions and and, 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 and healthy decisions and, and have healthy friendships and have be successful and be prosperous and successful in their lives even as parents not only do you uh, govern that they have a, a good healthy diet uh, but you also will govern that they have good healthy friendships uh, at least in their in their young years when as you have control over that. <coughs> you don't just open the door and let them fellowship with anybody, with any stranger. You govern that, you manage that. You know that as wise parents in their, their formative years, that it it can be damaging for them to be associated with the wrong crowd or the wrong people or the wrong maybe movie or television show or something prematurely. It can damage them. It can damage any of us. Amateur, well, sure. some of that stuff. And we know that. Um, I mean, it says in First Corinthians, Paul says, uh, First Corinthians 15:33, "Be not deceived; evil communication will corrupt uh, good manners." And anyway, um, when I'm trying to paint a picture is that as parenting, you you watch your kids, you govern, you you parent your kids. You want them. You, there's there's a lot of Involved into raising a healthy children, a healthy child, both physically, socially, relationally, and ultimately spiritually, in every which way. And so, uh, even as you, you grow up, you want them to, 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 to create a, a good career and to have a good life. Uh, and and uh, even if that career, in a sense, is being a stay-home mom. And be and, and whatever the case may be. But you want them to be functional. You want them to be successful. <coughs> you want them to grow up where they're not just taking care of themselves. But they can also take care of their families. And they can also be a part of society. that making sense? But this is just an a natural aspect. But although that's true naturally. Spiritually. As pastors, teachers, and, and whatnot. We want to grow up healthy. We want to grow up healthy spiritual. <coughs> excuse me. And when the new, and when the the church was born in the book of acts, they Peter encouraged them and whatnot. They had a healthy <coughs> Excuse me. Discipleship or upbringing of being grown and being raised in this walk with God under the apostles' doctrine fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Okay? There's a path that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks and this the early church got on this path to the path was not the the, the source in this sense. God is a source. A relationship with Jesus is a source. But this path helped us stay in relationship with Jesus, helped us stay in a good uh, mindset and to be and uh, whatnot. And so we're not exposed to things that we shouldn't be, so that as we grow up and mature, we won't be like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And that we will grow up and mature and be rooted and grounded and established in the faith as we've been taught. As we read about earlier in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Um, the early church, I believe, has laid down a path by which not only did they grow numerically, but I believe they also grew spiritually. And they became established in the apostles' doctrine. They became established as the family of God in fellowship. They became established and a covenant relationship with God through the breaking of bread. And they became established in praying, laying hands on the sick, and seeing them recover. The church exploded. The church was powerful. The church was changing their world upside down for Jesus Christ because they were on a path of maturity and in, uh, in, in many different ways. Um, uh, what we do is it's making sense. We start with the Apostles' doctrine. not only get this message first, but everything starts with teaching. From a child, we've been taught everything. Everything we know, we've been taught, whether it's been by in in our parents, whether it's been in the classroom, whether it's been in the, from a pastor, whether it's been from society, whether it's been through TV and movies and, and the arts, our, our our friends good friendships or bad friendships? We've, everything we've learned, we've been taught. I mean, almost nowadays, you can Google anything and learn, te- learn anything. Any type of trade. Any type of... And sometimes I don't know how to do something on the computer. Or I don't know how to do something. I'll Google how to do it. And it teaches me. I look very wise real quick. Look like I got a master's degree in something. I don't. I just Googled it. You know, you know and just uh, took the time to learn it. But everything starts with teaching. And we need to be taught the Word of God. We need to be taught... the the, the Word of God from a a New Testament perspective, a New Covenant perspective, and we need to be taught that. It affects us in ways that are are supernatural, and and being taught the Word of God affects the other three that we're going to get into. Okay? It says in Psalm, uh, actually, turn with me real quick, Psalm 138, verse 2. And my goal this morning is to finish up talking about the Apostles' Doctrine, And get into talking about fellowship a little bit this morning. We'll see how we do. But in Psalm 138 verse 2, it says, I will worship, (coughs) excuse me, I will worship for thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness, and for thy truth. Actually, you know what, let me toggle real quick to the New King James. I wanted it for the purpose of the last text, but I want to go back to the, the games. Let me start over. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship towards you, holy temple, and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. God has magnified or exalted his word above his name. That's very significant. We must feed on the Word of God. We must have a regular diet on the Word of God in order for us to mature uh, in Christ. Okay. Hopefully, this is making sense so far. Let's go back to where we kind of left off last week, and let's go to uh, uh, John chapter eight. John chapter 8, and we'll pick it up in verse 31. And Jesus is speaking, and then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, and I believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will, shall make you know, we call our, our Church Lighthouse Discipleship Center for a reason. Um, and that second word there is discipleship because we're all about discipleship. We have our, our Sunday morning services. We have our uh, LDO's Bible classes that I just talked about in our announcements. And then we also have our Bible studies on Saturday and Sunday nights. I, want, I mean, my goal is as we grow, we have more than just teaching. But at the same point in time, I want the foundation. I want to, the, at its core, uh, we're about discipleship. We're about uh, discipleship. And then we will continue in his word individually. And as we continue in his word individually, we in a sense will continue in his word corporately. We will be his disciples. And, we, and as we continue in his word, we will know the truth. And the truth that we know, the truth that we're being discipled in, will set us free. Uh, and that, and it's, it's very powerful. We need to have a diet. We need to continue in His Word. The early church continues steadfast under the apostles' doctrine. We need to get to the... We can't get into the Word too much. I don't know if I said this last week, but it's just, we need to eat the Word of God. We need to drink the Word of God. We need to... I'm going to even use uh, a worldly term. We need to snip it, snort it, needle it. We need to get God's word into our system. We need to have a regular diet of God's word. I know when I'm, you know, we are watered by the watering of God's word. I know, but I can tell when we don't water the grass right. We don't water the plants right. It just shows. It starts withering. I know when I'm not in the Word of God enough and having a relationship with God in His Word. My attitude starts withering. My my demean there's the things about me that start withering. When Sharon and I went to Karis Bible College a few years back, uh, between 2013 and 2016, people just noticed, family just noticed, there was a difference, there was a maturity that was there. We, I mean, we... Saw it but we didn't see it because we were right, we were just digested. But those who, who didn't see us every day, those who they saw a change and knew where we were before, and they saw a change in our attitude in our behavior and just uh, the quality of life we were having. Uh, there was just a maturity that we uh, that was evidence to all, as the scripture says. As uh, um, Paul encouraged even Timothy, watch your life in the doctrine, let people see your pride. So that it would be evidence to all, um, and words, we we got to do whatever we need to do to get the words of the word of God off the pages and into our heart, and into our mind, that we can be renewed by by the uh, renewing, we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to have a relationship with God. Okay, but just like a child. We were created and we were recreated in Christ to grow. A child, let me just go go off on this for a moment. A child was created to believe in miracles. A child was created to believe in the supernatural. For instance, a child, we have taught children to believe in sanity. We have taught children through a lot of uh, movies and, and books and, and and fantasy stuff to believe in superheroes, to believe that a, a bunny can lay eggs, Easter eggs. We have, we have taught children that that, that, uh, um, that you know a lot of children believe animals can talk. They believe children believe when you teach them that Jesus really walked on water. That Jesus raised from the dead, or He raised the dead Himself. Jesus, we, they believe that Jesus cleansed the lepers, that He healed the blind, that He healed the tears. The children believe stuff. If you will teach them, they believe it, and they believe it. I, I remember as a child. I believed there was a Santa Claus. I didn't understand how it all worked, how he came down the chimney and everything, and especially with houses with no chimney, uh, I didn't understand it, or it was a very small chimney. I didn't understand that, but I really believe there was reindeer, and I believe there was a Santa Claus. Cause I would stop that, and, uh, and, uh, and different things. I uh, literally thought there was a Batman and Robin and a Superman. I I really thought these, there was these things. You know, I, I I had a hard time believing the Easter Bunny a little bit that uh, he could lay eggs because I didn't understand how that worked. But uh, uh, I you know I, uh, that, anyway it just didn't make sense. But I was okay with the treats that he left by. You know, I was okay with the Easter basket and and everything that came with it, especially the candy. I was very good with that. But I just believed these things. I was taught them. As I read the Word of God and I heard the story uh, from Genesis to Jesus and the miracles Jesus did, I believed it. And, uh, And, you know, through... But when I became an adult different Dimenthane, finally I did learn there wasn't a Santa Claus. So don't 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 worry, i I've, I've been I've been set free from that. But at the same point in time, uh, you know, we have I believe as adults we have forgotten that we once believed too. That we in other words, let me just say it this way. We have been taught to we have been taught so much unbelief to the that in some ways we have forgotten how to truly believe, and I—I I don't know about you, but that—that—that I, 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 that, that, that hits a chord with me. I don't want to. I want to revive that childlike faith, that faith that comes from hearing the word of God and being taught the word of God, that I believe God at His word. And I believe that God, Jesus, rose from the dead. And I believe that, that I can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I, be- I want to believe in the impossible. I want to believe in the supernatural. And I, I want to get the unbelief out of my system. I want to, to disengage with anything that's speaking unbelief. And I want to engage with, that, with the truth. I want to be His disciple being in the Word of God, that I can know the truth, and the truth will set me free. When I lay hands on the sick, they will recover. When I pray for the sick, they will be healed, according to God's Word. I want to believe, and I want because, and I'm going to believe by being indoctrinated by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And I want, and and we've been taught so much unbelief, and it's been subtle. And you know, we. You know, we just uh, we we think sometimes so logically and so intellectually, and it has its place at times. But we have talked ourselves out of miracles. We have taught ourselves out of healings. We have taught ourselves out of the blessings of God. And we need to we need let God be true and every man a liar. We need to be taught afresh and and put our get our flesh out of the way and believe God at His word. By being indoctrinated by the apostles, doctrine by the word of God. And we need to believe, like, again, for the supernatural, in the impossible. And, and that God is a real. And he is alive. His word is true. His word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we need, his word needs to be our life. And we need to become disciples once afresh and believing God and his word. That makes sense? And uh, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I know we spent a little bit of time here last week, but I want to spend a little more time on uh, the last part of it. And again, we're talking about the Apostles' Doctrine. Uh, the, the early church was steadfast and continued, and we want to continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. And Paul, an apostle, is preaching. We spent a lot of time last week um, on verses 12 to 15. And I want to pick it up this morning on verse 16. And all scripture, now all means all, okay, is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and fully equipped for every good Good work. All scripture. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is God breathed. Okay? You know, and it goes on to say that so that we were indoctrinated, reproved, corrected, and trained, and instructed in righteous so that the man of God may be complete. Oh, the King James says perfect. That word perfect can also be translated mature. That we can mature, that we can come to perfection, that we can come to completeness. Uh, and and uh, any plant, any animal, any insect, any human has been designed to mature, come to, full, uh, to fullness, and uh, and we need to be complete—not just physically, but we need to be complete spiritually as we grow up into Him in all things. And we're only going to grow up if we are indoctrinated, reproved, corrected, and trained in this righteousness okay, Uh, by the Word of God. But let me just go on to say the Word of God will equip us, it will build us, it will enable us to do every good work. We need to be mature. We need to be complete by the Word of God so that we can do every good work. Every good work and every every means every. Every good work. I mean I'm not just talking about spiritual things. I'm not just talking about healing the sick and raising the dead and and, 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 and different things that that that's included. But I'm also talking about from parenting to being a good spouse and marriage and every good work. Everything we need to do in life. We want to do it good. We want to do a good work. We want to have a good home. We want to have a good marriage. We want to have good children. We want to have a good business. We want to have a good employment. We want to see good, we want to, everything we do, we want to do good. We want to be effective. We want, We are the head and not the tail. We are blessed and not cursed. We are above and not beneath. We are the children of God. We are blessed. And the beauty of the Lord that blesses the work of our hands. And establishes the work of our hands for us. We Want to do good, but we need to be indoctrinated and grounded in the Word of God that completes us, that, that matures us. That making sense? Um, now, sorry, just read over my notes. There's a teaching out there that uh, so I want to just kind of address a, a false teaching that's kind of floating around again. Um, but that some people believe that all Scripture, and they, 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 they water it down by saying that the, the Bible is just a, a collection of different authors writing their own biases and opinions of men. And I don't buy that. Because I believe that God inspired each man to pen the Word of God. God inspired it. Yes, they wrote it. Uh, but they different men wrote, actually penned it. But I believe the Holy Spirit, by inspiration, inspired them to write down the Word of God. And the reason I want to address that is because any society, and we see this happening in our society today, any society that wants to control and enslave people, socialism is on the rise in our world today. And any society wants to enslave people and control people, they have to take away the Word of God. They have to take it out. Because why and it's why many countries and many people have, in a sense become in in, in a back state, because they are constantly assaulting the Word of God. They're constantly uh, devaluing the Word of God. But when you know the and you trust his truth. Because you've been his disciple. You know the truth. The truth will set you free. No, when you know the word of God for yourself. When you're establishing the word of God for yourself. You've been discipled in the word of God for yourself. Nobody can enslave you. Nobody can entrap you. Nobody can manipulate you. Nobody can impoverish you. Because according to you. Even if they take away the literal Bible, the Word of God is in your hearts. And they can't take that away. But at the same point in time, uh, when you are established in the Word of God, you've been discipled in the Word of God, to you, the Word of God is the final authority. The world can't take that out of your heart if you become established in it. They can't enslave you. In other words, once Jesus is your Lord, no one else is. And that's important. And we need to have a regular diet of the world. Word. You know, I know things are going on in the world. And I spent some time on this when we were talking about seeing Jesus in the revelation. I don't want to get so focused on the things that are happening in the world. I, we are part of the world. I believe but in some ways we need to be involved in some things that are going on. But I don't want to be indoctrinated by the the, the, the world's philosophies. I want to be indoctrinated, reproved, and corrected. Trained in the Word of God. I need to make sure that this is my primary diet. I need to funnel and filter everything else through this channel. And so that means this needs to be my primary diet. I might hear other things from time to time, but this is my primary diet. That makes sense? And that, that I can only do if I have a regular habit, a regular uh, schedule of uh, uh, lifestyle. Discipline of being in the Word of God. Okay. There's more I can say along that line. Let's go to Second Timothy. Uh, we are in Second Timothy, chapter two. So let's go back a little bit. Is making sense? Okay. And we'll pick it up in verse eleven. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11. And Paul's speaking again. He's quoting from the Old Testament. He says, this is a faithful <coughs> Excuse me. Anytime I start to speak, I mean, this happens. So, this is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, but he cannot deny himself. Verse 14 Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves, approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing. The word of truth. Maturity is not just getting a bunch of head knowledge. We need that knowledge. But maturity is also, it's not just reading and studying. But we need to have that discipline of reading and studying. But maturity is also rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to understand it. And we need to have the right perception. We need to have the right interpretation of the word of God. But we need to have a regular habit, a regular diet of reading and studying the Word of God. But we need to make sure that what we're reading, what we're studying, and our interpretation of that is correct. We need to divide the Word of Truth. And how do we do that? Yes, we need good teachers, but ultimately we need the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of Truth. And if we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He will not only guide us, He also will protect If someone is teaching in there, And I love the the, the verse in the uh, book of Acts, I think it's chapter 17, where it talks about the church of Thessalonica, where they search the scriptures for themselves to see if these things be so. Anything I'm teaching, anything Andrew's teaching, anyone, any other good teacher of God's word is teaching. We need to have a regular relationship with the word of God ourselves, so we can discern whether these things be so. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take Andrew's word for it. Don't just take any of someone else's word for it. Take God's word for it. And let them teach you. Let them guide you. But let the Holy Spirit be your ultimate guide. Does that make sense? Because all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. He is the true author of His Word. Okay? My job is to study His Word. My job is to learn the Apostles' doctrine. My job is to let the Holy Spirit to teach me and to guide me into your own truth. I need to get in my heart so that I, I can impart to Even as a pastor, my job is to study it. Right? So that I can impart. I can get in my heart so hopefully as I teach it, I can impart truth to you. My goal is that what I do here on Sundays is not a lecture. It's not a speech. It's not a presentation. And in many ways, it's not even a sermon or a message. It's the Word of God. And the Word of God is spirit and that's what I'm hoping this is. That's what it should be. Uh, it shouldn't be. It should be more than just a, a lecture. Okay? Uh, there's much more I can talk about that. But I want to move on to some more new uh, territory. Does it make sense? There's more I can ev- uh, uh, elaborate on the, the importance of the Apostles' Doctrine. But we need to have uh, a regular diet of God's Word. And specifically, we need to understand the Apostles' Doctrine. So that we can properly, rightly divide the Old Testament. And we, we need to understand, we're in a new covenant. We're going to get into that a little bit more detail about new covenant when we get into breaking of bread. We'll talk about that a little more in depth. Okay? but making sense so far? I want to switch gears I want to start talking about fellowship. Okay? You know, Jesus is real. He's alive not only in me, but he's also real in me he's alive in all, all, each of us who are in the body of Christ and I believe that there's a synergy sy- synergy I hope I'm pronouncing that right begins to take place when the life the life in you begins to bring out the life of Christ out of me and when we get together when, you know, there's a synergy when the, the body of Christ gets together like-minded believers get together. There's an energy. Uh, I see this, especially in our in our in our church. We see this, especially on our Sunday night Bible study. Um, I like it because when we get together, there's just an energy. There's an energy in the room. We're encouraging one another. We are uh, edifying one another. We are admonishing one another, and there's just an energy. I don't. I leave Sunday night just charged, ready to go. Uh, not just because of the Word of God—that's the main component—but there's a like-mindedness. There's an energy. It—it it it's, it's, its inspiring the Christ who's in me to come out and and to 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 minister to one another, but also to do to do Christianity—not just be a Christian, but uh, and uh, and especially right now we're talking about a better way to pray. I want to go lay hands on the sick. I want to go pray. I want to do this. There's an energy that comes from not only the Word of God, but also the fellowship of this like-mindedness uh, together. Um, it, another way of explaining that synergy in a sense you get coals on a barbecue, and you separate those hot coals. They'll, they'll go out. But you get those hot coals together, and that, that barbecue, those coals will reignite the fire. They'll get warm again. It's the same, you know, we 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 do our lives throughout the week and whatever, but we come together as a family of God, and there's an energy, there's a reviving, there's there's a synergy that's taking place, and uh, we need that. The, the early church did it daily; they need that. We need that. He, Peter said, "Save yourself from this uh, untoward, a perverse generation." We need to be charged under some good, just wholesome fellowship and be connected to the body. My arm doesn't do very well when it's disconnected to the body. But there's a synergy when the whole body is functioning, when the whole body is healthy. Someone who's sick and they're, they're bed-bound, they're, 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 even though the original problem might not be their legs or their back or whatever, but when, when they're not functioning, the whole body feels it. They start aching and different things, and, and, uh, uh, different things that can happen, but the whole body needs to be functioning. We need to have a good diet. We need to have good exercise. We need to have mobility. We need have, we, uh, there's other things that we need to do. But the body is supposed to function. The body is supposed to go places. Your body is supposed to go do things. The body is supposed to speak some things. And learn some things. And hear some things. And touch some things. Uh, it's not just an island to itself. It, but there's a synergy when the body of Christ is fellowshipping. I know I'm just giving you know just some uh, preliminary thoughts on fellowship, but the word fellowship in the Greek is the word is koinonia, and I want to bring out four definitions before we get into some scripture here. But just the word koinonia, the word koinonia uh, is there's four definitions to this. One, the first one is partnership. Partnership. You can also uh, just even take the word fellowship and use this. Kind of definition that goes with partnership, two fellows in the same ship. There's a partnership. Two fellows, fellow, ship. Two fellows in the same ship. Uh, we, we, there's a partnership and uh, lives. We are again, we're not an island to ourselves. And the second definition is uh, it's sharing the gifts of life. Our story needs to be told. Your story needs to be told. Someone needs to hear your story. Uh, someone needs to hear my story. Uh, there's, a, there's a sharing. There's a partnership. Again. <coughs> again. But there's a sharing in the gifts of life. We're not arguing to ourselves. The third one, this is probably more accurate in many ways. But there's, it also means a social intimacy. I don't want to be crude with this. That's not my heart with this. But literally, the word means social intimacy intercourse and social intimacy. In other words, um, our fellowship as a body of Christ, as the family of God, as a church, should be deeper and more intimate than the fellowship of the world. That makes sense? It should be different. It should be deep. Uh, the the world has its clubs, they have their groups, they have their getaways, they have the different things. But the church is not just another group. It's not just another social gathering. It's deeper. It's more intimate in uh, that way. It, see, in the faith, in the church, we really care about people. We really care about one another. We really want to encourage one another. When it's God, and it's God's fellowship, we really purely love one another, not just ourselves, but we love one another, okay, it's different than the love of the world, the fourth definition of this word it also means distribution, it's the giving away of something, in in fellowship we are giving away something, we are to someone else, we are giving away our hearts and our lives to a certain capacity and to, to a certain level. Go with me real quick back to Ephesians chapter 4. We spent some time here in the weeks past. And give me, some, give me a chance to just kind of use these four definitions as we go forward in some scriptures and, and teachings. Okay? <coughs> and some of the definitions I just gave probably will make more sense as we get into some of this. Okay? That's how I teach them. I will bring out some truths and then I try to connect it all together so it makes sense. That's, what, that's my goal. But I would, uh, 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 <coughs> let's go back to Ephesians four. We'll pick up verse eleven. I want to read the whole the little context here. <coughs> and he gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So he gave us. An, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. Pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I want to stop there just for a moment. He's given us the fivefold ministry. He's given us pastors and teachers, for example, because that's what I am, so that my job is to equip you, or to equip the saints, for the work of the ministry. And what ministry am I equipping you for? To edify the body of Christ. In other words, my job is to help equip us Edify one another. That's part of my job. But it goes on. Till we all come to all means all. Even the weakest among us. Even the, 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 the weakest among us. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This whole verse is talking about maturity. Someone who's growing up. Till we all grow up to the unity of faith. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carrying about whatever you win of doctrine. That that's where the apostles' teaching comes in, that we, we equip you. Equipping is also equipping you in the word. Equipping is is about discipleship. By the trickery of men and the cunning of craftiness and deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in, grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ. Still speaking about maturity, growing up, maturing in him in all things. Not just some things, but all things. Verse 16. This is really verses 11 through 16 is one sentence. Paul has a lot to say in just one sentence. He says, From whom the whole body, that's you, that's me, joined and knit together, that's close, that's intimate. But what every joint supplies, not just some, but every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's powerful. The purpose of God God's giving gifts to the church is not just so we can build a, an organization. It's not just so we can... Uh, have a building and fill the pews. We want, we want to reach people, so we want to be effective. Don't get me wrong. We want to evangelize. We want to, as Peter, uh, in the early church, they want to see 3,000 people get saved. We want to see. But we want to take those 3,000 people, 3,120 people, and we want to equip them to, to not only uh, be grounded in the, themselves so they're not like children tossed to and fro by every one of doctrine, but we also want to teach the church to be a body. To equip one another in love. I mean, if we go back to Acts chapter two, I get a little ahead of myself with this stop, but I want I want to address it while we're here. Let's go back to verse forty-two. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear. And then not fear, like they were afraid. This is this is talking about reverence. This is talking about being in awe of God. And then with fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done to the apostles. We were talking a little bit about that last night. Now all who believed were together, that's fellowship, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among us as as anyone had need. And so continued daily with one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house. And they ate their food with gladness and supposedly of fire. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There's a lot of different things in there. But the church was not just devoted to the the word and teaching. But the church was also being very... They were being a family. And you know... Even this idea of family is, can be important to a lot of people. We've lost that in many ways in our culture today. Just the family. I mean, our culture, society is trying to, to break up marriage and, and redefine marriage and redefine families and different things. But God has focused I mean, the first institute that God put together in the garden was a man and a woman, marriage. And out of that came a family. And we are the family of God. And I'm going to use more scriptures. We get, get into this a little more deeper. But God wants us not just to, to be steadfast in apostles' doctrine, but also in thought. We're going to get into a little bit more of what we just read about how they they, 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 they minister to one they another. Okay. Uh, but let me just go off in just a second. You know, there's nothing wrong... When, when, sometimes when we come to a new church, or we come to a church, there's nothing wrong sometimes for a season, in some regards, to just come and attend. Um, in other words, let me explain what I'm trying to say. Sometimes, sometimes when people are coming to maybe a new church, we're not. And we're a smaller church, so this might not be the best example, but sometimes, sometimes when we visit another church, because sometimes people... They, they just came out of a bad experience in a church. And they're wounded, they're, they're, they're damaged, and they're hurting, they're broken. And sometimes the first thing they need, they just need to sit and be ministered to and get healed and whatnot. Fellowship will help that too, so don't get me wrong. But sometimes because of some backgrounds, some people are just uncomfortable with taking church to another level and getting involved in fellowship Sometimes some people, uh, their doctrine is so messed up because of wrong teaching that sometimes they need to just sit under the pastor's teaching for a, little, for a season, in a sense, and get their, some of their doctrine cleansed, cleaned up. Fellowship can also help with that, too. But, uh, uh, but sometimes, in, in other words, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be understanding that some people, every church I know, Pastor Lawson, Dwayne Sheriff, other churches every pastor know they're, they're, they're encouraging their their churches to get into small groups they're encouraging them to get into small Bible studies and groups of various kinds and, and they call them call it cell groups small groups whatever they may call and we need that. they're trying they, they want them to be steadfast under the teaching on Sunday mornings or, or weekly but also they, they're encouraging them to get involved in the small groups but sometimes when people first uh, sometimes there are times where Maybe something has just taken place that we need a season just to be ministered to. And, not, uh, and, 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 and that makes sense. But we just need a season just to get ministered to. But even though that's true, we all need fellowship. We not only need it for ourselves, but there is a value of giving our fellowship to other people. Alright, we're going to get into that. But there's a time, even if we, there's a season sometimes where we just need to, to lay low and just receive. We, there's a time when we all need to get, begin to engage and connect with other believers at some level. There's a time where we all need to get to, and we're all going to be in one sense maybe different levels of, of fellowship, and that's okay. Uh, but we need to go. We need to start somewhere. Some people they're doing too much, and everything's struggling because they're just doing way too much. But some, and we need to find that right balance. Because I started this a couple weeks ago. I talked about you know this is a diet that we need a well balanced diet. Okay. Uh, when I was a child, I ate too many carrots. I tried to go. Carrots are good for you. I don't eat enough now, but. I'm not sure turning yellow was God's design for me, okay? I'm glad it wasn't blueberries and I turned into a Smurf or something, you know. But uh, it's just, you know, there needs to be a balanced diet. We need to balance fellowship. But we, most of us need to do more fellowship. At the same point in time, we need to balance that, okay? It's not all about fellowship. That's not my message. But we need to continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine And fellowship. And we'll we'll talk about some other things in a few few weeks. But my job, or our job as a church, is to help facilitate that. Uh, It doesn't have to just be in these four walls. It doesn't just have to be on our calendar, in a sense. But the church should fellowship. The church should be connected as a family. Because not not when you don't show... Uh, Not only do you perhaps not receive part of that blessing, but we don't receive part of that blessing because you're missing. We bless one another. That's probably one of my favorite things about Sunday night, in addition to the good Bible study and everything, is the fellowship. Because that's that's probably our largest group. And I just come away charged. Because there's not only good Bible study, but there's good koinia. There's good fellowship taking place. And it encourages me. It blesses me. I need that. Sometimes I'm looking for fellowship so much, I'm going to Walmart to talk to the, 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 the greeter at the door just because I need some fellowship. You know? I'm doing his job for him. I'm not getting paid for it, but I I want some fellowship. We need, we need fellowship. Okay? We all need to develop fellowship at some level. And we need others to share this life, this new life that we have in Christ together with. Someone needs to hear your story. There's people you you can minister. I can't. Well, I just don't have a connection with them like you do. Maybe because of your your, your gender, your your age, your background, your whatever. Uh, but you just connect with them. There's people my wife connects with because of, because it's female, different things. So, uh, it would be improper for me to have a deep fellowship with some people, some females on some level. I mean, unless my wife's involved. You know, so, so there's bounds and there's wisdom with this, but we need to have good fellowship with them in the body of Christ. God has done, the, when we receive Christ, God has done something very powerful in our hearts. Everything that God's done in our heart has been miraculous. But we need to share that with one another. We need to share what God's doing, what God's done with one another. All of us were sinking ship. Some of us were addicted to things. Some of us were uh, caught up in religion and different things. And there's a, there's a tendency sometimes when we've been set free, and I, this what I'm saying right now might not apply to us in this room, but it might be applied to some of who are listening. Let's just say someone who's been set free from drugs or alcohol. There's a tendency of not wanting to go minister to other alcoholics and drug drug. And those who do drugs. I believe at the beginning of season it's too early so for some people to go back into where they came out of to, to they don't want to be, uh, be tempted to go back down the road that they just came out of. But as we get set free, as God does a miracle in our life, and as we're fellowship with the body of Christ, and sometimes in groups of two, not just going by ourselves, but we can go minister to other people who are also struggling with the things that we used to struggle with, so we can minister to them. that making sense? Okay? Uh, and that, that can come at a different levels. Maybe alcohol is not something you got set free from. But maybe, maybe it was religion. Maybe it was family matters. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was uh, uh, being abused. Uh, maybe it was a gossip. Maybe it just was being lazy. Uh, maybe, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, uh, we need to minister to one another. And there's a there's a there's a wisdom of being mature as we mature in our in, in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship that and we don't some things we don't want to do alone and we don't want to do until we are mature, in a sense. Hopefully I'm making sense with this, but we just need to, and I'm getting some thoughts out ahead of time here before I get to some other scriptures here. But what I'm also trying to get at is praise God for our relationship. But in that relationship with God, do we, do we really care about people? Do we really love them? Even our enemies. Even the people we don't want we we'll get along. Do we really care about people? Sometimes we, and this might not apply to everyone either, but sometimes we tend to want to fellowship with people who are like us. And it might not, again, it might not apply on, I'm talking to the wrong group here in one sense, but sometimes, some people... They will only talk to people, or fellowship with people, of their race, or their economic status, or whatever the case may be. But in Christ, we fellowship on the basis of the cross. We fellowship on the basis of who we are in Christ, and not on the basis of some economic or racial status. We are one. In Christ, and we with some. And this group might not struggle with that, but some other people might. We need to be willing to to fellowship with people of different races, of different economic backgrounds, and different different things. And as the body of Christ, as in, as the family of God, Does that makes sense. Maybe we're not struggling with that, but other people have struggled with that. They just have a hard time because maybe of their upbringing or how they're taught or whatever. They just have a hard time fellowshipping with people of, of different statuses for whatever reason, however wrong it may be. But we need to allow the cross, and, and and in other words, we need to allow God's love for us to soften our hearts so we can love one another and love one another properly. Okay. Let's go, uh, let's get some scripture into some of this. First John, chapter 1. And we'll pick up a verse 1. And even as I'm as returning there, with some last thoughts and what I'm just talked about. There's a place in our walk with God. There's a place in our discipleship where our in our faith transcends our cultural background, and there's a depth of fellowship that God wants to do in our hearts and our lives, individually and corporately. I believe God wants the church to be close, and I'm not saying my relationship with you will be as close as my wife, no there's that's, a, that's another covenant relationship we'll talk a little bit about in the next section we're going to get into. But there's different levels of relationships. But I believe that God wants his church to be, be close and knitted together as a body of Christ. And just as it says in Jeremiah I think there's a, there's a song we are fearfully and wonderfully made naturally. I believe as a body of Christ, we are also in Christ, fearfully and wonderfully made. And even a child, even in natural, we need to have good friendships. We need to have good relationships. In the body of Christ, we need to have good, wholesome, balanced fellowship. Okay. So we are uh, in First John, 1 John chapter 1. And I, let me read some context and come back and, and, and talk about it. May have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light, and in Him there is no, in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we... Okay, I'm going to stop there. verse 7. Okay? I'm going to read verse 7 again. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay? We'll go back to verse 3 for a moment. i read this real quick. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. This word fellowship, Koinea is used several times in this passage. It's talking about a couple of different kinds of relationships here. First of all, the apostles... And John is one of the apostles. We, we, we just talked about the apostles' doctrine. And the apostles, they, the apostles had a very unique relationship with Jesus that you and I had to have. They were with Jesus physically. They were with, they got to see him, they got to touch him, they got to smell him. They got to know everything about him. Okay? They, got, they had a real physical relationship with God. They saw the and the Remember, the Word of God is not the ink. The Word of God is a person. His name is Jesus. They saw the Word of God. They touched the Word of God. They fellowship with the Word of God on a different level, in a different capacity that we have, have had. And what their experience was very incredible. I think it's something that all of us would love to have had. Too. And one day we will get to fellowship with Jesus at that level. But at the same point in time, uh, their experience was very incredible. And they said, you know, John says, he's writing these things to us. So that we can have, he says, "That which we have seen and heard. We declare to you that you also, us, may have fellowship with us. Who? The apostles. That's, That's very unique. He says, when he's writing these things so we can have fellowship with them, And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Okay? But he also goes on to say here, verse 4, And these things I'm writing to you, that your joy may be full. Now, there's nothing wrong with having other things that we enjoy. A car, a home, sometimes some toys and different things. But we never want those to be our ultimate joy because some of those things, when they break down, they take away our joy. And that's not good. Okay? And God has blessed us with things. But a lot of these things that we have been blessed with, our home, our cars, and different things they're temporal. And we know that. But the joy of our salvation, the joy of the kingdom, the joy of God is eternal. It's not temporal. It doesn't vacillate. It's constant. And if we will embrace these things that the apostles are teaching us, our joy will be full. And our joy will be eternal. And our joy will be constant. Okay? There's some other things here, but I want to jump down back to verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay? So he talking about, if we walk in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. This is very, very powerful. In other words, he says, uh, I'll go back verse a If We say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness. We lie, and do not practice the truth. Now, where some people have gotten messed up on, in the, in the sense of the apostles' doctrine, is that they believe that Paul saying, I mean, John saying that if we walk in darkness, we walk in sin, that God will not have fellowship with us. But God says He'll never leave us; He'll never forsake us. I believe I don't believe that God won't have fellowship. He, I don't believe God will ever de-fellowship or defriend. However, when we are walking in darkness, God is not going to have fellowship with us in that darkness. He's not going to associate with us in that darkness. We'll look at this in a few moments, or actually no, next week when we get into it. But Jesus uh, had fellowship with the publicans and the sinners. He didn't de-fellowship with them. He fellowship with them, but he's not going to fellowship with him in that darkness. Hopefully that's making sense. Okay? God doesn't condone our sin. God doesn't, God doesn't, God doesn't act like our sins are, are walking in darkness. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It does affect us. It is wrong. It is, it is unhealthy. It will cost you. It will destroy you. I just know this. When I walk in darkness, I hear God very clearly. The fact that I hear God very clearly, God is still fellowshiping me. In other words, this is how I hear God say, What's up with this? What are you thinking? In other words, I hear this. I hear God tell me this. This is not my plan for you. Uh, that's not what I saved you for. My plan, I have a better plan for you. I feel God reproving me, correct me. Maybe I'm not thinking straight. Maybe I'm not asking right. Maybe my attitude's wrong. And in that moment, I'm walk, walking in darkness. Maybe I say something wrong. Maybe I do something wrong. We've all done things wrong. We've all done, the, 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 as Andrew would say, or even Dwayne Shepherd would say, a piece of stupid. We've all done stupid things. We've all done foolish things. We've all, in a moment, then I've been tempted to walk in darkness. I'm not talking about where, where just, we just start walking and uh, some people have done that too. But some pe- I'm not just talking about where we, we, we fall off the wagon, so to speak, where we're indulging in some sin. And a sinful behavior, that's that's another thing that some people struggle with. That might not be our case. But I just know that in the moment when I'm not walking, when I'm I'm making mistakes and when I'm walking in darkness, God is still fellowshipping with me. He's correcting me. He's reproving me. He's convicting me. And he didn't stop fellowshipping with me. He He didn't write me off. Even when Adam sinned in the garden, God didn't hide from Adam. Adam hid from God. God never stopped fellowshipping with Adam. Adam stopped fellowshipping with God. It wasn't that, and that's the way sin usually works. See, when, when I walk in darkness or I do something wrong, God chastens me. He does correct me. I, and I've talked about this in other studies. He does it out of mercy. He does it in his love. He doesn't do it to kill me. He doesn't do it to condemn me. He doesn't do it to destroy me. But he does chasten the one he loves. He does correct us. But if I but he goes on to say verse seven. But if I walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Okay, that's huge. See, God won't ever forsake us. God won't ever uh, uh, turn his back on us. God won't. God's love for us is unconditional. God's love for us never changes. It doesn't vacillate. But. My fellowship with him will change if I'm walking in darkness. My fellowship with you and with the body of Christ will change when I'm walking in darkness. What I do not only affects my relationship with God, not His relationship with me, but my relationship with God. But what I do wrong also affects because that's what we're talking about. Fellowship affects my fellowship. For example, if I, as a pastor, started walking down a road of adultery, for example, it will affect my relationship with my wife. It will affect my fellowship as a pastor. It will affect my fellowship with the Bible of Christ. It will affect that. God has forgiven me. God has reconciled himself to me. And and if if I'm not repentant, it's going to affect my relationship with God. But it will affect my fellowship with you. Is that making sense? I'm just using that as an example. But sin hurts people. Okay? And I'm amazed that many times the church, the culture, and some churches, and some gatherings that won't are refused to acknowledge this is wrong and this is right. And sometimes we, we need to we we need to know what's wrong and right. If we don't know what's wrong and right, how are we gonna know what's avoid? Christ has already taken my sins, yes. But sin the Bible says, Paul says in Galatians that if you uh, if you sow to the flesh of the flesh you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit of the spirit, you will reap everlasting life. He's talking to the church. The apostles We're talking about the apostles' doctrine. The apostles, the apostle Paul says, if we, the church, uh, sow to the flesh, of the flesh, we will reap corruption. We're not reaping corruption corruption from God. We are reaping corruption from the flesh because that's what we sow to. Sin is still dangerous. The wages of sin is still death. God has already reconciled this relationship. But sin will still affect these kinds of relationships and will affect my relationship and my fellowship with God. Does that make sense? Sin is still dangerous. And God didn't set us free so we can continue to sin. God set us free so we won't be entangled with sin. And when I, when I even go, begin to go down the wrong road, just in my thoughts because I've had a negative attitude about something, not, and don't get the like, I'm struggling with this every day, but we all get tempted with things, but just in my own thoughts, and, and, and sometimes I thought it's not just even being negative, it's just because I haven't spent time with God. I just know the Holy Spirit would say, there have times where some things have happened to us, and, and my my there's sometimes some people have done things to us, and my flesh wants to react. My flesh wants to re- respond to that. And and uh, and my my flesh is tempted to be bitter about it, my flesh is tempted to 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 lash out about it. But then I hear the Spirit of God in my heart say. My grace is sufficient for you. Uh, I hear him come back in my presence, come back in my presence, come back in my word, come back in my love. Don't focus on what they've done to you. Focus on my grace. Focus on my love. Because and, and in my flesh I can't forgive. I want to forgive and whatnot. But in the spirit I can't forgive. And i got to come back in his presence and make a choice to forgive them and to love them. And, but i just know if i go down that road of bitterness and and, and that's a day that's that's a dangerous road but god didn't be fellowship with me he's fellowshipping with me he's convicting me he's he's challenging me Does that making sense i hope it is but uh see um let's get through some of this see our issue with sin is us loving God and us loving God Sin hurts people. You can't name a sin that doesn't hurt people. It destroys lives. It destroys marriages. It destroys fellowship. And it and endangers and, and, and fellowship in many different levels. In many different ways. Dwayne Sheriff, or I got a lot of this outline from, when he, uh, he was once ministering to a, a pastor. And this pastor when it starts sleeping around him with people in the church. It was horrible. It was ugly. But when Dwayne Sheriff had to address it with this pastor, all that pastor was concerned about was God loving him. And Dwayne Sheriff basically just had to, to shake this pastor up and says, don't you get it? What you're doing is destroying you're destroying your marriage you're destroying your kids you're destroying your congregation you're destroying people and guess we need to reconcile and God has already uh, taken our sins as far as the East is from the west. God has already reconciled the world to himself and guess we need to make things right with God in the sense so so we get cleanse and we get purified. but one point I'm trying to make is our sins hurt people. And a lot of us, either we have never learned it, or we've lost it, but we have lost the importance of fellowship. That what we do, or what we don't do, affects people. And I love this verse in verse 7. It says that we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There's a lot here I haven't got into all I want to get into yet. But I want you to understand something, You've been here, even if you didn't hear anything else I'm saying, is that God wants us to have fellowship with Him. And God wants us to have fellowship with one another. And sin can destroy sin can hurt my fellowship with others. Is that that making sense? Am I making any sense with that? Okay, Sin hurts people. In other words, when we steal, we hurt others. When we lie, we hurt others. When we kill, obviously we're hurting others. When we commit adultery, we are hurting others. Sin hurts people. All of the law and the pro- of the prophets hinge on two things: loving the Lord your God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. All of the laws hinge on that. Sin damages people, and we don't. And sometimes we've lost. We don't understand how sin. We've lost the the power in the sense of fellowship and the importance of fellowship and how it damages people.
1: And how I know that is because
0: some people, as I minister to them, they're not, just like this pastor, Dwayne Sheriff, who's ministering to they're not even thinking about how it affects their wife, or their spouse, or their, their kids, or, or the church, or one other. But the things that we do affect other people. Okay. Um, in other words, we not only need to get things right with God, but we also need to get things right with each other. When we walk in light, we can have fellowship with one another. Let's let's switch gears for a moment. I just have a few more minutes left. Philemon, chapter 4. Philemon only has one chapter. Philemon, verse 4. Philemon is right before the book of Hebrews. small little book, no little letter. I love this uh, little letter Paul wrote to Philemon. But we'll pick it up verse 4. It only has one chapter, not chapter 4 like I just said. But in Philemon, Paul says this. And I usually focus on verse 6, but I want to read a little more context so than I normally read. But Philemon, Paul says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. Hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards the saints. Do you see that? See that conjunction? Paul is thanking God for Philemon and his love for the Lord Jesus Christ and towards all the saints. That the sharing sharing of your faith may become effective and actually I want to talk real quick to the King James. Sorry about that. Verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are being refreshed by thee, brother. I'm just going to say this jokingly, that Paul was glad that the bowels of the saints were refreshed. In other words, uh, Dwayne Sheriff said, uh, he just said I'm here to refresh your bowels. And Dwayne Sheriff just went on to say, he said, How do you refresh one of another's bowels? Now, the word bowels, and I and got a little ahead of myself here, is the inner man. It's talking about our inner feelings. It's talking about our inner emotions, okay? But I also want to highlight something for a moment, going back to verse 6. I've taught him verse 6 many times. That communication that faith becomes effectual by the knowledge of every good thing which is in you, Christ Jesus. This word communication is a word coin. That the partnership, that the fellowship of thy faith may become effectual as you knowledge of every good thing that's in you in My you know, when we are fellowshipping <clears throat> in the faith, our faith becomes affection, As we know everything really great by Jesus, but we have great joy and consolation and love of thy house. In other words, when we are fellowshipping together, when we are ministering to one another as we should, at this level that I'm trying to I'm trying to get into. Talking about the 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 the, the, the vows, the, the, the hearts of the saints are refreshed. When we meet together on Sunday nights, for example, I keep going back to that because that's our, one of my favorite groups that we have right now. If I'm refreshed and the, our hearts are refreshed, and we are communicating, as we are. Fellowshiping together in the saints. As we, and, and, and that communication, that fellowship becomes effectual as we are acknowledging every good thing that's in us, in, in Christ Jesus. Uh, see, when we are fellowshipping, one of the, the definitions I gave for fellowship in Lulaga La was Sharing. And as we share our story, as we fellowship, as we share what God is doing in you, what God is doing in me, as we fellowship together. I mean, just even this morning we talked about how was your week and different things. We're sharing what God is doing. Uh, You know, as a church, we learn to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We're fellowship. We're enjoying. We're sharing with one another. Not only the good stuff, but also the the stuff that we're weeping about, things that we're mourning about. We can (laughs) <coughs> pray and encourage and exhort and admonish one another in the Lord. But as we do that, as we minister to one another, that whole fellowship is miraculous. It's restoring. It's refreshing our vows. It's refreshing our inner man. It's refreshing us. And we're being refreshed by that. There's been times where we've gone through things and we didn't we have the fellowship. Oh, well, maybe we were an island to ourselves because of what we're going through. We didn't get that refreshing. We didn't get that encouragement. And it's it's harder to go through things. Know. Um, you know, when just naturally, it's, uh, science says, uh, doctors have said that when the body is healthy, the physical body is healthy, the cells in your body begin to multiply. Okay. That's why a lot of churches used to call their little small roof group cell groups, because the whole idea was as we fellowship, those cells would multiply. get okay, the body is becoming healthy as we fellowship together, as we minister to one another, as we are um, the 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 communicate the fellowship of the saints. The, 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 our faith becomes a it encourages. Our faith comes from hearing the Word of God, the Apostles' Doctrine. Yes. But it becomes effectual as we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus, as we as we partner with that, as we fellowship, as we share that, as we... Because um, uh, even Paul was saying, I thank you that your love towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. But even was not just doing his own thing. And Paul wasn't just doing his own thing. But Paul... Praise and encouraged and, and encourage and was thankful for Philemon that he loved Jesus and all the saints that his faith that the his faith that he was the the coin of his faith with the church could be effectual You know, I'm gonna close with this. I'm just I'm out of time and I feel like I've developed this more. We're gonna come back next week and hopefully develop this some more next week on fellowship and then we'll get into breaking the bread and they go together. In many ways. But. The body of Christ is stronger together. Jesus said that the world will know that we're his disciples. Because of our love for one another. He prayed in John 17. He prayed Father I pray that they would be one. As you and I are one. So that the world will know that you sent me. Our greatest effectual evangelism to the world. Is how we love one another. And when we are in partnership and fellowship with one another. That makes sense? We don't, we cannot, we are, in other words, we are a bad example to the world. When we are fighting one, one another, devouring one another. There's some other descriptions we'll get into in Ephesians chapter 4, which is the same context that Paul was speaking about uh, the church edifying itself in love. He says that we grieve the Holy Spirit when we devour and fight with one another. That just as Christ has forgiven us, we should forgive one another. There's over a hundred scriptures in the New Testament, in the Apostles' Doctrine, to talk about our relationship with one another. Paul talks about it, John talks about it, Jesus talks about it, James talks about it, Peter talks about it. We need to fellowship and in partnership in Koenia. And as we walk with Him who is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In other words, when we're walking with Him, we don't break up our fellowship with one another. Well, we have fellowship with one another. But when we walk in darkness, when we do things on our own, we can hurt, we can damage, we can even destroy. We need that. That that fellowship is important, not just for us. That that fellowship is important for you, and that fellowship is important as our witness to the world. It's it's important. The church that daily, and we're going to see this in a few moments when we get. I mean, next week when we get, hopefully, get into it. The breaking of bread. Also, I'm not done with fellowship. I got some more scriptures to go go on here. Hopefully, I'm making sense. I know I just barely got into this. I don't know if my communicating fellowship is uh, good enough right now. <clears throat> I'm hoping I'm making sense, but I, my heart is that we will continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine, the fellowship, breaking the bread, and prayer. And we will see the importance of why we need those. We need both of the all four of those, as part of our diet and our regular um, uh, lifestyle. But we just worship you. We exalt you. We magnify you. We thank you for your word. We glorify you. Lord, we just thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the apostles' teachings. And, Lord, we just thank you for uh, everything that you've given us. Lord, teach us afresh the importance and the value of good, Christian, wholesome fellowship. Lord, teach us that. Lord, we've lost that, I believe, in our society. We've lost that in many different ways, even in the church. Lord, help us to bring that back. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen.